Proverbs chapter number 3. But before that, it's not going to be complete with the review from last week. <laughs> All right, so last week we talked about the simplicity and sufficiency in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So, and I like, uh, we were talking with Brother Andrew, if I may, Brother Andrew, earlier. And sometimes you're right, you know, sometimes you were right, uh, Brother Andrew, we'd say, the gift. Well, it's a gift to us, but the Lord Jesus Christ did all the work and the hardship, so it can be a gift to us. Amen. So when we say the simplicity which is in Christ, it's simple when it gets to us. Why? Because praise God, He went through all that work already. Amen. So the review is, first question, and there's, there are no prices. Just, <laughs> right? First question. Number one, what is that one thing that a person must believe to be saved? Death, burial, and resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. That, but that's three things. That's the gospel. That, but that's right. But the gospel, exactly. That, no, you're right. Uh, that's included in there. Uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means that's the gospel that the, the apostle Paul gave to us. And question number two. Don't be hugging all the answers, Brother Bill. I'm just kidding. <laughs> question number two. Where in our Bible is that gospel found? What text in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Awesome. Number three. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are blank. Unsaved or lost. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Unsaved. Yes, sir. So, and remember we made this, this comment last week. Praise God for everyone that's um, sharing their faith to unbelievers. Praise God for that. But let me ask you this question. This is not part of the review. You go out and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and you say, all you got to do is believe the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. Maybe that person has a good intention. Maybe that's a good person, a moral person. But the question is, don't answer. Kind of think with me for a bit here. We're just kind of talking here before we get to the message. Is it enough to simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, period, nothing else? No mention of the gospel whatsoever. Exactly. Why? I'll give you an example. The devil believes. You know where I was going. The devil believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. More than believing, he fears and he troubles. So you've got to mention the gospel to them. Because that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. So everything is simple for us. See that? If 
It is hid. If they don't know that, it is hid to them that are lost. Question number four. According to Galatians 1, 6-7, uh, another gospel means the correct gospel plus or minus what? Anything. Anything. If you add anything to the gospel, that's another gospel. If you subtract anything from the gospel, that's another gospel. And that's what Paul said. According, this is the last question. Galatians 1, 8 to 9. If, oh, by, by the way, last week we had a surprise quiz. Remember that? We may or may not have one again today. <laughs> okay. Um, according to Galatians 1, verses 8 to 9, if anyone preaches another gospel, even an angel from heaven, what are we supposed to do with them? Let him be a curse. Let him be a curse. Meaning somebody, that guy, is that guy is there, that person is there to teach you or to defile your faith or to defile, you know, the truths of the gospel. So he's trying to lead you astray. So as guidance, the Apostle Paul says, if somebody adds to the gospel or takes away from the gospel, distance yourself, separate yourself from that person. So we're often being mistaken for, for being ultra conservative, if you will, or just ultra separatist maybe is, is the term, ultra separatist when it comes to the gospel. But hey, that's the very first exact thing where, which we're supposed to stand on. If everything else is muddled, if everything else is watered down for the sake of being friends with everyone, then, then that's just going against what the Apostle Paul says, what the Bible says. Amen. And so, let's just talk a little bit, shall we? And I thank you for uh, the praise report earlier. I appreciate, uh, we've been praying for this. Thank you for the opportunity to serve as a preacher. Let's talk a little bit for, for, for a second before we go to the, you know me, my, most of my preachings are just five minutes long, but then I talk for 75 minutes before that. <laughs> so um, I believe, I believe with all my heart, and I'm sure some of you who've been Christians probably more than, than I have will agree with this. I believe that if people are excited about two things, their salvation and about the Bible, I believe that everything should be easier. Do you get that? I mean, there will still be hardships and frictions and a lot of hard work. But it should be easier compared to the time when you're just enduring, you know, you know, enduring your Christian life, if you will, and going through the motions as a believer. But if you love what you're doing, if you're excited that you're saved, if you're excited about what you're doing, what you're learning, excited about your Bible, then it should be easier. If you look at Psalm 51, verse number 12, 
Listen, this is the best part. Remember we sang blessed assurance earlier? No one can steal your salvation from you anymore. Nobody can steal my eternal security anymore. You know what can be stolen? The joy of your salvation. So David says in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And then the second thing, and we've talked about this already before, Psalm 119 verse 161 and 162, it says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I was watching a game in a stadium, a basketball, a professional basketball game in a stadium one time. And a Saturday night with the youth, with the teenagers of our church. And we were all so excited. And of course, we were rooting, you know, some guys were rooting for their team. I was rooting for my team. And when my team would score, I'd be like, no, I, no, I just go, Yee-hoo! but then the next day came and it's, and we're all this, you know, the youth, the youth group and myself, we're all in the church and we're all just so dignified. And then it came and then it came to my mind. I'm like, we should be excited about our salvation and about the Bible the same way we're excited about it anything and everything right Amen. so thank you for the opportunity to serve but can I tell you something I really did not sign up to be an extortioner (laughs) I did not sign up to be an extortioner what does that mean you know like an extortionist is somebody who threatens somebody to get something out of them, right? So preachers will do that and they will threaten you from the pulpit. Now don't get me wrong, if sin needs to be preached against from the pulpit, it will be preached against. But I don't like bashing people from the pulpit about, you know, like not coming to church and not being able to be part of an activity because we all have work and responsibilities and that's understandable. But reading... Studying the Bible, learning doctrines, enjoying them, coming to church, sharing your faith, being part of a church activity. That should be because you should be, we all should be doing it because we love doing it. And I hope that is, somebody mentioned, I forgot now, earlier that there's going to be a rebuilding of our church. I hope that's the new philosophy we want to do something because we love doing it. Not because Brother Francis might hit me from the pulpit on Sunday. <laughs> now here's the thing. I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I, this story my wife knows. I used to be uh, part of a youth team before in, in the Philippines, in a little island over there. I was given the, the chance to be a youth pastor over there for just for a brief moment. Um, and when we first started our youth group, don't worry, we'll get to the message, all right? When we first started our youth group, um, we would have activities and there'd be like four or five of us. 
And of course, I understand for people that might be discouraging, right? But when it came time for the services, there's four or five of us. Most of the things that I heard from everyone were, why is that person not here? Or why is that person not, you know, absent? Or why are we just few? Or why are we just, why, why can't we just do something that, that we grow, you know? So I, I had a sit down with our youth group and I said, well, listen for a sec. We have to learn to love what we're doing. We're just wasting our time if we're complaining about our size and our number. Hey, if God blesses us with more people, praise God. If not, and it's just going to be us, what are we going to do? Are we going to have fun learning the Bible and enjoy our salvation? Or spend our time wishing there were more people? I'd rather have fun learning. Well, it is God that gives the increase. Amen. If God brings his people, praise God. But I'll tell you something. If people from the outside look in here and see that we're miserable, I don't want to be in there. <laughs> right? So, that's hopefully our, going to be our, our new philosophy from now. And the problem is, remember my first statement? Um... If people are excited about their salvation and the Bible, things should be easier. It's still going to be hard, but easier than hard. The problem is, and here's the message. I know we're not going to finish justification, right? It, this is a huge topic. So we're probably going to finish it or, or continue it next, next week. The problem is, a lot of people do not enjoy salvation or their salvation because of one of two things. A... They're probably unsaved. Or B, they do not know what happened to them when they got saved. So, remember our surprise quiz last weekend or last week? Ta-da! Another surprise. <laughs> and it says... Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. So it's okay to ask questions. Basically, what we're trying to get is to get God's people to start reading and thinking, right? We don't want to be a whole bunch of deadbeat, like just not just receiving everything without, without looking at the Bible if it's true or not. That's why we're, that, this is what we're doing. So, instructions. Just shout out something or raise your hand or whatever. You don't have to write it down. What happens when a person gets saved? Anyone? Becomes a new creature in God. Becomes a new creature in God. Praise God. Anyone else? You're going to heaven. Amen. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. What else? Complete. Amen. So you're secure. Anyone else? I was asking this question in one church one time and I said, uh, as, same question, same test. And they said, well, we're not going to heaven or we're not going to hell. I said, yeah, that's a good, that's a good answer. Yes. Amen. 
Amen. Good answer. And so I asked, I asked the guy, what else? Is there anything else? He said, well, we're not, we're going to heaven because we're not going to hell anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's, that's a good answer. Anyone else? relationship with the creator see exactly thank you sir see and i'm gonna end it there i guess if you said something you pass <laughs> you get you can do extra credit later on if if you need to but um do you know that there is so many things that happens Right on the dot when you get saved. And I think I mentioned here it here in this church before. Um, we started to count um, in our own personal Bible study. We started to count what happens. So there's justification, redemption, um, uh, forgiveness of sins. There's uh, adoption of sons. There's then... Sanctification, all these kinds of stuff, and then we start. We stopped counting at three hundred because we just lost count, and that's right. That's that's right at the dot when you got saved. It's not like a progressive thing. Right on the dot, things like that happen, and so people, a lot of people, and sadly myself as well, because I don't know everything in the Bible. If you don't know things. How can you be excited about it? Right? So let's talk about justification. Amen. So, we're in Romans chapter number 3, verse 19 and 20. The Bible says, um, Now, notice that, We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, but by the law, for by the law, is the knowledge of sin. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your, your words. I talked a whole bunch before this prayer, dear God. Now we pray that you would talk to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, we're talking about justification. When it comes to justification, this is what happens. When people start talking about justification, this is what happens. Me as well. Why? Because justification is a legal term. And most of the time, especially non-lawyers like us, when we talk about a legal term, we're like, oh man, do we... There's a lot of technicalities there. And so most of the time, our minds just boop, turn off. We'll just hand it over to the lawyers, people who've taken law classes, or the, the theologues to handle that. We'll just leave it up to them. But the thing is, how can you be excited about it if you don't know what happened? Amen. There's so many things that happen actually with just justification. A lot, uh, there are so many exciting things that needs to be satisfied. Before justification can happen. But all that was satisfied in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Alright? So, let's talk about uh, verse number 19 says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that who are under the law. 
right? Every word is important. Think with me for a second. That's why I have it in red. Now. So there's a time identifier. When? Now. Okay? We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith the, all right, identifier of people. That's why it's in red. Them who are under the law. Now, here's the thing. And I'm going to say something technical, a little bit controversial, but bear with me for a second. Don't throw a shoe at me for a sec, okay? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Amen. And if you're a Gentile, you were never under the law. All right, time out. Bear with me for a second. You were never under the law. What? I was never under the law? But, but, watch it, that every mouth, Jew and Gentile, may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So even if we're not a Jew, even if we're Gentiles and outside of the law, before God, we are all guilty. Why? Because even if we are not Jews who did not have the law, we had the law. Well, let's, let's just go. Let's just, you know what? I don't have it up here because I want us to start opening our Bibles. Let's go to Romans chapter number 2. Just right next to Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 2 verse 14. And some people would say, what? Gentiles did not have the law? Well, how would they know what to do? How would they know what's right or wrong? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> Romans 2 verse 14 to 16. Are you there? Yeah. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. So, they're Gentiles. When they did not have the law, they knew what was good. They knew what was right. How? Let's read further. Verse 15. Which show, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Whoa. Amazing how God worked that. They did not have the law. And God made the way and put the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts demean while excusing or else excusing one another. Here's always one question, and I'm sure, Brother Bill, you've gotten this question. Always one question that we would get from people when you're teaching them about missions, missionary work or soul winning. They'd say, well, Brother Francis, what about... The people up in the boondocks or the tribesmen up in the middle of nowhere who've never heard the word of God. And they don't have, uh, they don't have a preacher or a Bible to tell them or to teach them. You know what? There's your answer right here. God says they don't have the law. But say, for example, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, a tribe in the Philippines. And I say... And say, for example, Brother Rich, can I use you an example, sir? Just say, for example, Brother, Brother Rich and I are both tribesmen over in the Philippines. 
We don't have a missionary. We don't have a Bible. We don't have anyone to preach to us. We don't know. So what's right or what's wrong? The Bible says they know in their hearts. How? Well, say for example, I said, Brother Rich, can I borrow one pig? Because my son is getting married and I have to kill a pig so I can feed the people. Who's going to give, you know, I, I want to give them a feast. And Brother Rich says, well, I need it by Saturday. Are you going to be able to pay it back by Saturday? I said, yeah, I promise. We don't have the law. There's nothing that says thou shalt not steal, or there's nothing, we don't know that there's, there was ever anything that says thou shalt not bear false witness. But I said, I promise, Brother Rich, I'll return that pig to you by next Saturday. Friday comes, Brother Rich is doing this. I need that pig, I gotta kill it, I have to have my own feast. Saturday comes, Saturday morning. Saturday lunchtime, Brother Rich is just getting, just, just waiting and waiting. Sunday came, guess what? I broke my promise to him. There was no law, no Bible. Guess how, what Brother Rich feels in his heart? Anger. Anger, sadness. He's not happy about it. He knows that what was done to him was right or wrong. Wrong. His conscience says that's wrong. The next time Brother Rich needs to make or has, wants to make a promise to somebody else, not me, I'm, a, I'm out of the picture now. The next, the next time Brother Rich want, needs to make a promise to somebody else, then he will know. If I break my promise, that's bad. That's wrong. Why? Because I remember when that Francis dude borrowed my pig and said that he was going to return it to me on Saturday and broke his promise, I remember that that was wrong. Remember? All right. Now, so, so we have Gentiles who are outside of the law. All of a sudden, God says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, Jew or Gentile. Why? And all the world may become guilty before God. There's, I underlined it for this reason. Before our eyes, we may not be guilty. Before our eyes, we're always comparing each other. You know, we're always better. There's always somebody better than us. There's always somebody worse than us. Before our eyes, that's how we rate everything. But before God's eyes, that's why the Bible says the Bible had concluded all under sin. If we say, uh, if, if we keep telling people, hey, listen, you're a sinner, without mentioning, mentioning the Bible, guess what? The tendency of that person is to compare himself to you. But if you say, the Bible says that you're, the, you're a sinner, all of a sudden he's standing before the creator of heaven and earth. All of a sudden, he can't compare himself to every anything because before God, we are all guilty. Still there? Next, verse number 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. 
For by the law is the knowledge of sin. There's two stories. Number one, I was driving home pretty quick, or driving to work, not home, not here. This was 100 years ago already. <laughs> I was driving to work. And all of a sudden, I made the left turn, and ta-da! Mr. Cop was over there. Pull over, sir. I said, why? What for? I'm in a hurry. I need to go to work. He says, there's no left turn over here. What? I didn't see a sign. I didn't see a sign. What are you talking about? Are you just trying to get some money out of me? Of course, I didn't say that. <laughs> trying to be respectful to the copper. I said, are you trying, you know, I didn't see, I didn't see a sign. And he, he showed me, he was really respectful. He came, he, he walked me through it and he said, see that over there? Huge sign that I just did not look at because I was in a hurry. And when I saw that sign, my mouth was stopped. And that's why we have to open the Bible to everyone when we're telling them about the Word of God, or about salvation. That's why, you know, if the people are comparing themselves to anyone else, they'll say, oh, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as Hitler. Surely I'm not as bad as Hitler. But when we open the law to them, when we show them the Bible, every mouth might be stopped. It says, uh, For by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Oh, in our own sight, we're always justifying our own selves. But in his sight. So the question here, and we're running out of time. Like I said, we'll continue this next week. It's mostly, this is mostly just the introduction. The question is here is, we know how we see ourselves. We know how we project ourselves to other people. We know what, what some people, the corporate world calls it, what your brand is. Have you heard that before? The corporate world says, this is your brand. This is how you want to advertise yourself. We know what we want people to see us. The question is, how does God see us? A lot of technical things to talk about over here. Uh, justified. Um, the term justified, what does that mean? Oh, uh, if you read, by the way. Um, but now, another time identifier. The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even, here we go, another thing to talk about, the righteousness of God. Your righteousness, my righteousness, cannot save us. All our righteousnesses, all our good works to God are what? Filthy rags. It has to be God's righteousness that's applied on us so we can be declared justified in His sight. Even the righteousness of God, which is, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Ooh, this verse itself, so rich. Righteousness of God, one doctrine, which is by, watch the preposition, by faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all them that believe. Talk about that too next week. Um, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that verse. Being justified freely by His grace. Watch the prepositions. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
whom God had set forth to be another term, propitiation. Whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now, we'll talk about more of that later on because there's so many things that needs to be discussed. Justification, righteousness of God, propitiation, redemption, and stuff like that. Now, here's the thing. Are you excited about your salvation? You know, in our eyes, exactly, you know, in our eyes, we might have one way of seeing ourselves, but how does God see you today? If you're saved, praise God, God says, that guy is mine. He's justified. Sins are forgiven. He's washed. He is clean. He has my righteousness on him. His, his sins were placed on my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so my righteousness can be placed on him. Can you imagine? I'll, I'll close with this story. We have about a few minutes here left. I clo I, I'll close with this story. When I met my wife, We both said the same thing to each other. We said, you know what? The second most important thing that happened to me is you. <laughs> like, what? I believe that too. Why? Because the first most important thing that happened to each of us and, and anyone, every one of us who saved is our salvation. little light today we'll dive into it next week but listen let's be, let's be excited about our salvation let's be excited about our Bible let's pray Lord uh, let's pray to the Lord that he would give us restore unto us the joy of our salvation and that he would help us to be excited about his word let's pray Father thank you Lord for your, your words thank you Lord for um Loving us. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for us to be justified. Everything is done by you so that it can be simple for us. We pray, Father, that you would help us enjoy your words. Help us enjoy our salvation. Help us all have a good week. In Jesus' name I pray.